Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. Folks, what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to turn your Bibles to John chapter 9. We were there last week and we were introduced to the man who was born blind and the disciples wrestling with wondering who sinned. Jesus said that's not the issue here. It's, the issue is that God would be glorified. The focus, turning the attention from worrying about who caused it to what's God going to do about it. So today, we're going to see God do something. Now, here's the interesting thing about what we're going to read today, because you and I, we're going to look at verses 6 through 12. We could just read that and kind of blow through it real quick and say, oh, wow, that's interesting. There's a lot going on here in these six verses, and what these six verses are going to do, if you will allow them to do it, I hope they do, is they're going to break up your boxes, What do you mean our boxes, George? What are you talking about? Well, you and I have a tendency to put God in a box. And what you're going to see today is that Jesus likes breaking up boxes. And so the whole manner in which he goes about healing this guy is unusual. In fact, it's the only time he acts this way. But he does it for a reason. And when you begin to understand how Jesus is acting here, you begin to realize that God can't be put in a box. No matter how much we want to put him in a box, God can't be put in a box. And we love to put God in boxes. Why? So let's talk about our boxes. First of all, there's a danger in believing that we understand how God works. There's a danger in understanding that we believe we know how God works. You know, I've been, I left Columbia, South Carolina in 1987, fall of 87, to go up to Virginia to study God's word and to pursue his calling in my life to serve him. Now, in those earlier years, even though I was a young Christian, I thought I understood who God was. And as I went through those studies and so forth, it only reinforced the idea that I had, that I I had an understanding of how God works and what he does and what he doesn't do. To the point where in 1995, eight years later, when I go to my first church, I, I thought I understood. I had God in a box, so to speak. Now, there's a danger with that. The danger is, is that God isn't in our boxes. God transcends our boxes. God does what he wants to do. In fact, the scripture says that. Isaiah, his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not my thoughts. There it's talking about the love that he has for people. But the reality is, is God is... There's no way for me to put him in the box. Now, there's a danger 
in thinking that I understand how God's work. Now, thankfully, thankfully, in his grace, he's brought me out of that reality to seeing that God works in many ways beyond what I think. As I think about many ways that he's answered prayer through the years, things that I just assumed there was no way it was going to happen, God did it. Wow! And was I shocked? God does things beyond what we think. We think we've got it all, all, we've got it all figured out. Well, what we're going to see today is that there's a danger when you do that. What, what is it? That is, when we think that way, we make ourselves greater than God. That's ultimately what happens. When we think we understand God. Do you understand? When you think you understand God, you become a God. We're finite. We're, we're created. We, we are the creature. We can't comprehend the creator. But we like to think we do. We like to think we know how he acts. Why do you think that this is what blows my mind? So even if you think about it, I've, I've mentioned this passage to you before. It's because it really resonates with me now as I'm getting older. Here's John the Baptist, the forerunner of Jesus, and he's like proclaiming the Messiah, the Messiah. He had it in his mind what the Messiah was going to do, but guess what? He ends up in jail. And he's like, sends the messengers to Jesus and says, hey, are you the one or should we be looking for somebody else? Because he gets discouraged. You'd be discouraged too if you were in a dungeon, right? Jesus says, go back and tell him, what do you see? And then he says, blessed is he who's not offended because of me. That verse right there, blessed is he who's not offended because of me, makes me realize God busts boxes. Because sometimes the way God works, I get offended at. Because he didn't do it the way I thought he should do it. See, those are the boxes we create. We think God's going to act the way we think he's going to act. But the question is, what if he doesn't? What if he chooses something else? And a lot of times he does choose something else. Because he's God. And am I okay with that? Now what we're going to see today in this passage is, is that we're going to see Jesus heal a blind man. Now let's be honest. We at this point, we know that Jesus has many tools for healing the blind man, right? The most common tool he has is be healed. Just speaking the word. Boom, it happens. Or just touching the guy. But what you're going to see here is that Jesus does something rather unique and interesting. Now, there's a reason why he does it. We're going to talk about that. But he does it because he can. But he does it for a reason. So let's look at this passage together. We're going to focus on verses 6 through 12. Here's what John is writing about this incident. So when he had said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva. 
and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with clay. And he said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Therefore the neighbors and those who previously had seen that he was blind said, Is, this, is not this he who sat and begged? Some said, This is he. Others said, He's like him. And he said, I'm he. Therefore, they said to him, How were your eyes opened? And he answered and said, A man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go wash in the pool of Siloam and wash. Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. I went and washed and I received sight. Then they said to him, Where is he? He said, I don't know. Now here's what we're going to do with this passage for, for our sake today as we understand God breaking boxes. We're going to see, first of all, the divine prerogative. What do you mean the divine prerogative? God's going to do what God's going to do, period. He doesn't answer to anyone, period. He doesn't have to. He doesn't have to do it your way. So think about that. Think about how we pray. This is how George prays. Oh, I got a problem. What do I do? Here's what I do. I figure it out in all my wisdom because I'm a very wise person. You guys know that, right? So in all my wisdom, I figure out here are the 10 steps to solving this problem. So I go to prayer and I say, God, I need you to do this. And by the way, here's 10 ways to do it. Follow these 10 steps. I'm going to tell you, even though I pray like that, even though I should know better and continue to pray like that, God never does any of my ten steps. Because he doesn't have to. That's divine prerogative. Then what we're going to see is when God works. What happens when God does work? When God does do it his way? We're going to see that as well from the reaction of the people. So let's talk about divine prerogative. First thing I want you to notice is in verse 6, how he heals this guy. Look at what he does. Verse 6. Then he, when he had said these things, he spat on the ground. All right, stop for a moment. I don't care what culture you're in. It's a gross thing to spit on the ground, right? And to spit on the ground to make clay, that's a lot of spit. Ooh. All right, so here's what he's doing. He spat on the ground and made clay with a saliva. A mud pie with a saliva. Okay, so are you getting this? All right. And what did he do? He anointed the eyes of the blind man with clay. Wow. Now, let me just stop for a moment. We have four Gospels here. Three of them are very similar in the stories that they share. This one is a little bit different, but I'm going to be honest with you. If you go through every miracle of what Jesus does in those four Gospels, this is the only time he does it this way. This is the only time. And it's like, why would he do it this way? Why would he do it this way? Here, here's the thing. Jesus does not act in the same way with every person. Jesus does not act in the same way with every person. You know, it's interesting. When I, when I was in school, I told you in 1987, I went up to Virginia to, to go to school. And, 
<clears throat> I was on my own, okay? So I, I was on my own at that time. Uh, at that time, 1987, I was, I, was, uh, I was 21 and went up to school there. I'm, I'm paying for myself to get through school. So things were tight back then for George, okay? I didn't have a lot of money. Lori could tell you, like, when I was dating her, she'd always wonder why I had only put $2 worth of gas in the truck, in my, in my blazer, rather than filling it up. And sometimes she would be with me, and I'd run out of gas, and I'd figure out just how enough to sling into a gas station, and then I'd get out and put one, get $1 in. That was it. I didn't have much. But there was a guy that I went to school with. He was another guy who was there, and he's trying to struggle his way in. And he would always come to class, and he would always say, man, I, w I don't know how I was going to pay for something, and I opened up my mailbox, and there was a letter from somebody I don't even know with a $100 bill there. And so I'm listening to that, and I'm thinking, God, I need you to do that for me. So guess what I'm praying for? Bills to show up in my mailbox not bills bills cash now can i tell you that here i am that's 1987 to that time period here we are in 2022 and he's never done it that way with me ever but he still got me through it through other ways. God, God doesn't act in the same way with every person. So here he is. Here's a guy who's blind. I mean, the disciples had to wonder what he was doing. I mean, he could have just touched the guy. Do you understand? Could Jesus touch the guy and make him see? Yes, we all believe that, right? But here he is. He's spitting on the ground, making clay, anointing his eyes, telling him to go wash. Why? Why would he do that? Well, that's my second point. Jesus' actions are not arbitrary, but purposeful. When Jesus does something, even in your life, it's not an arbitrary action. I want you to hear me. Jesus just doesn't do stuff in your life. God just doesn't do stuff in your life. There is a reason why he does what he does. And in this instant, there's a reason why. Well, when you understand what's happening and what day it is, of course the day is what? The Sabbath. And what is forbidden on the Sabbath? Working. And, and what we know from tradition is, according to the Jewish elders of that time, kneading clay, making a mud pie, on the Sabbath was forbidden. It was considered work. It was against the tradition of the elders. So guess what Jesus does? First of all, they got a problem with him healing on the Sabbath anyhow. He decides to heal in a way here that what? Would be considered work. Because he's not operating in their box. He is purposeful in what he's doing. And what you're going to see when we get past verse 12, as we get through the rest of the chapter, that's going to be the bone of contention now. Because remember, in this section of John, 
He's showing the hostility and the anger towards Jesus. And the thing that they were angry about with him is that he would violate the what? The Sabbath. But he's not violating the Sabbath. What he's violating is their box of how one's supposed to act on the Sabbath. So what we see here is, is that his actions are not arbitrary, but purposeful. And so that also brings up the point here. Jesus does not operate within our defined boxes. Jesus doesn't operate within our defined boxes. And you and I got to grasp that point. He doesn't operate there. We like to think he does because we like to think we figured him out. But I'm going to be honest with you, as I get older, the older I get, the more that I walk on this earth, each day that passes with each situation that I'm going through, I begin to realize more and more how much I don't know about how God is and how he acts and how he accepts people and loves people. I'm just being honest with you. And he's continually changing me in my thoughts. And, and, and I like to define God as doing this a certain way and doing this in a certain way. Because that's how God works. That's the reality. God does not operate in our defined boxes. So think about this. Here's what the Pharisees would have told Jesus. You know, Jesus, I know you can heal him, but can you wait one day? I mean, he's been... I mean, he's, let's say he's 50. He's 50 years old, Jesus. He's been blind for 50 years. One more day's not going to matter. If you're going to do it God's way, you wouldn't do it today. You would do it tomorrow. Think about the stuff we say. But discuss what Jesus does. He says, no, I'm going to heal him today. In fact, I'm going to heal him today, and I'm going to break one of your rules and how I do it. That's the prerogative of God, isn't it? Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad? Now, here, here's what I'm saying. You say, well, what has this got to do with me, George? Okay, stop for a moment. You're either facing something right now or you're going to face something. Everybody agree with that? That's just life, right? Who do we turn to when we're facing something right now or when we're going to face something? God. What would you rather believe? That the God you're turning to only acts in a certain way or the God you turn to does what he wants and can do anything? I think I'd rather turn to the God who can do whatever he wants in whatever way and that he acts according to himself. Do you understand? Not according to what I think he needs to act like. That's the divine prerogative here. So guess what? As always, there is also a call to faith and action. What do you mean? Look with me at verse 7, because here's what he does. He does this. He, he makes this mud pie, this clay pie, puts it on the guy's eyes, and look at what he does in verse 7. Go wash at the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent, and he went and washed and came back seeing. Here's what Jesus does. Jesus is calling the guy to have faith. And to what? Act on it. 
This is what he does with us. He calls us to trust him, to have faith in him. And sometimes he calls us to do something that seems crazy. But guess what? He works in it. And that's what he's doing here. Because here's the thing. What if the guy said, nah, I've got, I, I ain't got time to go to the water. He, that means he wouldn't have had what? Faith. Do you understand? God's calling this guy to faith. He's calling us to faith. So guess what? He does that. He goes over to the pool of Simone. We don't know how far away that was from where he was. I'm sure he had to have somebody help him there. Because, remember, he's blind. And he does what he's supposed to do. He washes himself in this pool. And that's what these pools were like. Do you understand? They were community pools. They were, they were, when you went to a pool in these days, it's very evident that what would happen there where there would be people who would be gathering water. There would also be people who would be washing themselves there. There would be people, they would utilize these public baths, these public pools for the use of the community. So he's supposed to go wash himself there. And guess what? He's healed and he's coming back and there's a reaction. So here's what happens when God works. Two things are happening here when we look at the crowd. It's very true even today. If God were to answer something in your life and you were to go tell people about it, you're going to see the same two reactions. Here it is. Look with me. First of all, people are confused. Look at me at verse 8 and 9. Therefore, the neighbors and those who had previously seen that he was blind said, Is this he who sat and begged? Some said, This is he. Others said, It's like him. And he said, I'm he. Which is, in our talking, it's me. I'm the guy. So what's going on here? People were confused when God acts. Because what, what is it? They don't expect it to happen. Let's be honest. How many times have you been surprised when God finally did something? You know what I'm surprised at sometimes? When God does something that I didn't even ask for. I just thought about it. And I didn't even bother asking him about it because who am I to waste his time? And then God turns around and you know it's him who did it. And you're like, I've, I've said many times, God, you even heard my thoughts. That was you. And so when, when God does something in your life, the people around you are confused. How's that possible? And that would be true. Here's a guy who's been coming, begging, who knows how long, forever, from birth, and now he's walking around seeing, like, how did, is that him? I don't think it's him. Yeah, it's him. And the guy said, it's me. People are confused when God acts. Here's the second thing I want you to see. Remember, we talked about this last week. Look at verse 10 through 11. Here's what they do. Therefore, they said to him, how were your eyes opened? And he answered and said, A man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. And when I went and washed, I received sight. And they said to him, Where is he? And he said, I don't know. Here's what happens. Here's the second thing. People want an explanation. They've got to have an answer. 
And here's the, here's the wonderful thing. You're like this guy. I don't know. All you know is Jesus did it. But that's not satisfying to people, is it? They want to know exactly how he did it. Why? Because again, what we do is, is we want to put God in our what? Boxes. But God doesn't live in our boxes, does he? Aren't you glad for that? Okay. All right, George, where do we go with this? All right, so let's, let's take a step back. I was recently thinking about this. Somebody was asking me to write something with regards to pastors. And I, and I thought about the reality about living in disappointment for a while. And sometimes pastors live in disappointment. And the reason why I think we live in disappointment, I know it's been true in my life, is because I have God in a box about how he's supposed to work or what he's supposed to do, especially when it comes to church. Because that's my life. You know, that's what I do. And, and I've come to the conclusion God doesn't work in my box. God transcends my box. I can't define him. And what he chooses to do, he chooses to do. And what has that got to do with you? Well, think about what's going on in your life. Maybe it's something at work. Maybe it's something in your family. Maybe it's something with a family member. Maybe it's a health issue. Maybe it's a financial issue. Maybe it's some kind of thing or another. But here you are. You've got whatever going on in your life. You're, you're wrestling with this. You're trying to figure it out. But there's a part of you that, you that is because you're a believer in Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit is within you. You are wanting God to do something because you realize in your heart he's the only one who can. But the problem is, is you're disappointed. Why are you disappointed? Because so many times before you thought you had to figure it out about how God should act and he didn't do it your way. So you gave up. You gave up praying. You gave up trusting. You gave up having faith. Because when you look around, the world's going to pot. This is happening here. All this is happening. Things are bearing down on you and everything. Where's God? And it's the God you defined in your box. But he doesn't live in your box. He isn't in your box. He's beyond your box. And what he's calling you to is just have faith in him and let him do what he's doing. And trust him. Trust him. And I guess that's what I'm trying to tell you. Quit putting him in a box. Give him the issue and trust him. Now, will he call you to maybe do something? Yeah, probably, most likely. But be at least sensitive to him to what he's calling you to do. And sometimes what he's calling you to do, can I be honest with you, may seem totally crazy to you. Like rubbing a blind man's eyes with a mud pie and telling him to go wash in a pool. That makes sense. It does to God. And he did it. So trust him. Trust him with your issue. Trust him with your thing. It may not happen overnight. It may not happen this week. It may not even happen this year. But eventually God is going to do what God's going to do. And you need to trust him.
That's what he's calling us to. Hi, folks. This is George. I want to thank you for listening this morning. And I want to tell you about a free app that you can get for your mobile device that will allow you to access all the materials and information you need about our church in one device. Simply go to your app store on your Android or Apple device and search for Kerwinsville Christian Church. The app is free, and what you'll find there is everything you need to know, plus all the teaching from our church as well as this program. And we hope that you will utilize that in your search for Christ. Until next week, folks, take care and may the Lord bless you.